hello and welcome to what will be a trial, maybe continuing into more, and then we'll look back on this day and and cry at our previousness, uh, previous. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. Uh, we're going to go about 20 well. seconds I mean, before we heard something now. wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah. Was it even 20 seconds? I wasn't even checking. But, I'm being generous. Uh, this... Don't worry about it. <laughs> I believe the saying is the second time's always better than the first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I believe the saying is third time's the charm, so should we just do it another time just for fun? <laughs> uh, but, yes, so either the first test podcast... Post... See, I've done it now. The first te- test, test podcast, test cast, test podcast, or potentially the start to a very fruitful bit of Fun. side gig. We're not really intending to make money, but just chat. We uh, And I'll give a little bit of a background about that in a second. The podcast name is Roleplay Life, and it will encompass gaming just pretty much in general. We're talking everything from board and trading cards to video, PC games, everything in between as well. And they could be very topics just slightly relating to them, or we could just be venting our frustrations at a particular game developers, you know, it, not releasing something in the UK, as an example. You know, uh, random funny, example. Yeah, yeah, funny how you mentioned that. It could be coming up later. It could indeed, it could indeed. I actually enjoyed the name of this uh, test cast of uh, Roleplay Life. Um, I think I mentioned it to John briefly before we decided we were going to do this. And when I was moving into the house that I'm in, I joked to my sister I was going to wear a Link-style hat and do short videos of moving into my house and refer to it as my role play life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just weird when John went, "How about this name?" And I was like, "Very much, yes." It's a, it's a dual it, meaning. Dual meanings are very popular at the moment, so that's why I went with exactly. it. Exactly. How, how dare you suggest a double entendre? <laughs> I know in today's modern society, it's not like me at all. No, not never. like any of us, <laughs> especially on this call. And that does lead very nicely. Thanks for that segue into um, who we are. So. Um, We'll each go and introduce ourselves in a second. I just want to give like a little bit of background. Basically, we all play Dungeons & Dragons together. It is our regular weekly occurrence. But we also found that at the start of Dungeons & Dragons, and tends to be towards the end as well, we'd spend a lot of time talking about non-Dungeons & Dragons related stuff. Just a In bit, no way to the annoyance of the DM at all. In no way whatsoever. No, no. And so the idea we had was a way to vent, a way to discuss things here, and not take up valuable time from the game. It wasn't spent ages putting those plot lines together. <laughs> Just for us to spend an hour talking about what is going on in the world and various games coming out. So my name is Daniel Glickman. Dan Glickman. Um, I stream on Twitch. I stream a variety of games. And I currently live in Warrington in England. And I like everything. Video games. Though I don't own a console. So I'm talking PCs. Dungeons and Dragons I like a lot, as well as a lot of um, the traditional and new board games. So, going round, uh, Gareth is next on the list. Hi, uh, I'm Gareth Maudsley. I live in Lancaster. Um, uh, my affiliations are to both Dan, who's just introduced me, as uh, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh! with my nephew, and he was the luckiest man ever. Um, and John, who we'll talk about in a moment, uh, I went to school with. Uh, me and John used to play a lot of fighting games as teenagers. Uh, we played some six-a-side football to a very poor standard. Uh, we basically had a mutual love of very nerdy things for a long time. Um, Dan, I've known through my work when I've worked up at the university. And as I joked, I am the DM 
for this D&D uh, &D party, uh, or parties, as it is currently. Great. Uh, my name is John Woodhouse. I live in Manchester, and I am into, for those of you watching video, I'm into anime. I like anime. <laughs> I like video games. I like D and I am the the newcomer to the to the D and D group. Um, as for tabletop stuff, I don't know very much at all. I will I will talk when I know something, and maybe put some questions forward that pe people who don't know things might want to ask themselves too. Just for that kind well, of that uh, the every man sort of questions being brought forward. But um, I play video games ever since I was three years old on the, the old BBC Micro, for anyone who remembers what that is. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Excellent. Would you say the BBC Micro, what my first uh, gaming experience was, I'd have been about six when my sister went to high school and we had an Acorn Electron. But uh, she used to have to borrow from school a BBC drive to be able to put floppy disks into it. And school used to, you had to like write a note and rent them. Well, that, that was the funny thing about the, the Electron. You could actually use a floppy drive, but you could also use a tape deck as well yeah. um, to, to run games from it. Cassette so. video games were the, like my childhood. Yeah, me too. So yeah, I, I don't want to show my age here, but Sega Mega Drive was my first. Um I well, I should probably word it differently than that, but Sega Mega Drive was the first video game. What did you do to that, that poor thing? <laughs> yeah, well, I blew it a lot. I blew the cartridges a lot. That was that was the old thing, mm. wasn't it? But mm. Sonic, Sonic was my first ever game played, um, and that started everything for me. Basically, um, I used to run after those golden rings and try and do loop de loops and like speed and go into a little blue ball. Over and over again. And again, I've made several double entendres in that opening line alone. I was going to say that's enough about your internet search history, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trying to find the golden rings and do speed. It's just... <laughs> you know, it's this is, and this is the problem, just guys. This, right is, this, <laughs> this is where we get stuck on D&D. &D. We, we never seem to get past double entendres. Yeah, yeah. No, we applaud each other's on double entendres and then just go, oh, we're playing, aren't we? Uh, yeah. oh, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, Gareth. Yeah, it's usually sorry, Gareth, yeah. Gareth, Gareth's like the uh, the father that doesn't want to be the father of us because we're all grown adults, basically. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm an I'm a, an unintentional surrogate. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Both in game and out of game sometimes. Uh, but, um So just quickly to kind of talk a little bit about the format. Uh, the idea is is that each of us is going to bring a topic. Of some kind. This to be in the start. Um, we've actually got three topics kind of already lined up. We'll be talking about them in no particular order. I don't think I've just written them down in this way. We're going to talk about Hero Quest. This is something that has. Oh, we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> this is something I alluded to right at the start about how, again, the UK will um, be disadvantaged um, in a board game release. Can you believe it? <laughs> Shocking, um, really. This no, is board game. Are we actually going to be creating board game Brexit right now? Oh, <laughs> well. I mean, it's it's not just Brexit either. The the UK isn't getting it, but neither is Europe. It's just the yeah. US. And we'll oh. go into that a little bit later. That's oh, a Hasbro of, thing. Is it one of, oh, oh, who used to, was it? Has it always been Hasbro for Hero Quest? Uh, so it was MB Games. We, we might as well MB? start this now. We might as well start it sure. now. Yeah, let's so, discuss it. Let's Hero Quest. So 
in the UK, actually. So you are correctly. So so who were the original uh, developers and releases of this? Hey, I'm pretty sure it was a guy who designed it for MB Games. He was a researcher. Um, I cannot remember his name exactly, but he... I will, I will tell you. Hold on, hold on. By the power on. of Google, I'm sure we'll find out. Yes. By the power of Google, I already have this written somewhere. He... Milton Bradley. Yeah, MB Games. No, uh, but there was a particular guy who worked on it. He's actually worked on the, oh. the re-release, and he's done like a, a set of um, uh, maps and missions oh, for the yeah, new I release. This. This, that's one of the extra, optional extras, isn't it? I saw that. Yeah, I, I was very tempted to uh, to send him a tweet to say, what the hell are you doing, you backstabber? Yes, <laughs> You're betraying yeah. your country. <laughs> um, so let's have a look. Designer, Stephen Baker. Yeah. And then we've got a couple of artists on there. Gary Chalk, Max Dunbar, Les, Ad Les, Les Edwards. This is the original team. And it's worth pointing out because we'll get into the updated team and the methodology behind what they're doing with that very well, shortly. But, do, you, do you want to uh, tell them, basically lay out why we're upset first? Yes. So, Hero Quest was a... Um, it was a, an adventure game. a very Designed to be very quick and short in relation to a lot of other tabletop games. That was released in the what was it late eighties, early nineties? Yeah, eighty nine, kind of, I think. Uh, so I was gonna say it's like the late eighties, but it was kind. The way I always describe Hero Quest was because you could play it like a campaign, so it was like D and D, the board game. Yeah. So you actually had like pre-written quests, yeah. and you could start, and you could like uh, increase your uh, inventory. I can't remember if there was like stat leveling or not, but I'm sure you could there, roll a character there is, sheet or something. There is an advanced hero quest, but I don't think there is an uh, original hero quest. Yeah, no, it was it was just designed to be a a, a pick up and play adventure, basically yeah. for lots of pre gen characters, and it was 1989. You are correct. Yeah. Um, and this game was a really get great follow on to Dungeons and Dragons. That's what it was designed as. The, the, you know, the Gygax um, Dungeons and Dragons phenomenon you know yeah yeah phenomenon it was designed to roll off that and um, and make it more it... like beginner friendly as well it's more of a gateway yeah, for people exactly to get into that, yeah yeah and um very recently um hero quest an announcement that something was coming and um myself john and gareth we all got very excited they gave we a timer the there was a timer for a, a, yes. a link for a timer and no, no real instructions on what it was that was going to be announced. Just that there was this event that was going to be unveiled. I enjoy that Dan says like we were all excited for it. If I remember John's message correctly, it was like, "There's a timer. Prepare for disappointment." <laughs> yeah. Okay. Then yes, I should clarify. John is the pessimist of the group straight away. Uh, <laughs> Call me a was, cynic, was but was I right? <laughs> you were indeed, because Hasbro, who are taking the ownership of the. Um, the, the license of the game and the license they've created this is a multi-million pound gaming company by the way we should preface that for that who don't know about hasbro google them they are a lot of big brands yeah well, the, the transformers franchise uh D, D wizards of the Co they bought wizards of the coast basically so like magic the gathering goes to hasbro uh Hasbro, when they did their game con about three years ago, they actually in tie-in with the Transformers animated series they were doing for Japan, which I think is the trilogy that's coming through now onto Netflix. Uh, so the in D and D, not D and D, Magic the Gathering, uh, there's a famous set of cards called the Swords. There's like the Swords of Feast and Famine, so, and there's one called the Sword of Transformation. 
and it gives any D&D character the ability to become a Transformer. <laughs> and these were like um, fun cards from a convention. Uh, yeah. But there was also, because uh, I think was it when Ixlon was re- released, Ixlon was a, uh, a world where there was pirates, dinosaurs, and uh, vampires who were also like the conquistadors. So it's very much like the uh, re- the Spanish raiding Mesoamerica, but with dinosaurs. Yeah. So what you're saying is they've got a few quid to spare. Yeah, 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 they've got one or two quid to spend. And Hasbro decided, you know what? How do we milk it? I, I don't know. Let's let's crowdfund. Using hey, that's popular. Our own individual crowdfunding crowdfunding software called Hasbro Pulse. They're not even going to Kickstart or anything like that. Let's crowdfund it. But the caveat is it's only in the US. And yeah. certain areas Sorry, of Canada. Is, uh, uh, is it US and Canada? The certain areas is, in Canada, not Quebec, apparently. Oh, not Quebec. Quebecois, once again, This is a very standard Hasbro procedure, again, with the Wizards of the Coast Department, because they've taken in Magic the Gathering, they do a thing called Secret Lair, which are like special art editions of like really yeah, popular yeah. and desirable cards. And to do that, you have to go through Hasbro's own website. And the first time they did this thing, um, I can't remember what the product was. I think was it when it was the Mythic Booster Set or something it was called. Um, the website kept crashing. Apparently, the background of the website couldn't handle more than 15 customer orders at once. And it was perfect. Rumors were it was designed purposely to keep people logging in and to create the hype and to create like the negative what did they have adverts going up or something were they were they just after those clicks that's what it was basically uh but the other thing that cracked me up is um a lot of youtube people they were just like the it was a whale product uh for people who don't know what whale product is it is a product that's specifically designed for people who have more money than cents and they'll buy whatever because they can or yeah. the you know they're really into something so much they will always invest. Um, as Dan will attest from uh, my years of Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, I am life's natural budget player. So I will try and leverage the best strategy for the least amount of money, or sometimes the most annoying strategy for the least amount of money, because sometimes that's fun as well. It is. Yeah. So as of recording, uh, the. Uh, the Kickstarter, or whatever it's called, the Pulse. Is there is there a terminology for that? The uh, the, the sellout sell ship, sellout ship. Like the that. sellout ship is is currently at about one point six million dollars at the moment. Uh, there are two tiers, uh, one for ninety nine dollars, which gets you the game and nothing else, and then there's the uh, it, it's got a particular term. It's it's uh, is it the mythic. Bundle. There's Mythic and Hero. I don't know which way around they go. Probably it, Mythic. It's Hero is the cheaper version, I think, and Mythic yeah, is the $150 or $149.99 uh, for pledges, and they're at $1.6 million right now. So they've they've more than made their their target of $1 million. There are there are certain uh, um, uh, goals that they're trying to reach. I think up to the the value of about $2 million. Uh, they get you certain extras. Uh, if you're lucky enough to to uh, live in the U.S. In, or know yeah. anybody that will be willing to ship out to you later on, 
Um, they also mentioned that they're uh, trying to get their shipment completed by the fall of 2021, so just over a little bit of uh, 12 months' time, um, which means I don't think we're going to see anything for the next year. There's, there's going to be no news out of them, no press releases to say, hey, I know you guys around the world, the, the place where this game was made, you might be interested in getting this. Um, we've got you covered, brother. Uh, we're not going to be getting any of those kinds of things for the next year, at least. So, yeah. it seems like a blunder, in my in my opinion, that they should have they should have looked to either giving options for people who are overseas and are passionate people that have nostalgia for this, and will be definitely looking for it. I mean, I just when this happened, when when the 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 event happened i went onto twitter and just did a hashtag hero quest and the number of people who were from just the uk saying i can't i can't believe you've done this um <laughs> the, the number of people that did that was like in the tens and you know the not even in not the hundreds tens. in the, the tens. tens on twitter <laughs> within the five minutes of the event happening there's probably more than 10 now gareth thank you, you. And I'm the cynic. people the tens the tens the tens of people that were upset though there was a lot of people in that short period of time that were obviously very upset about it vocal enough to actually put it onto twitter yeah. which isn't saying a whole lot but hey yeah i mean isn't that the point of twitter you just got it to to complain a little bit of an have a little bit of an upset moment but this is hasbro practice like through the kickstarter uh, again going back to magic gathering with like the mythic editions and the secret layers the secret layers like they did it a couple of times at the end of 2019 and it was like once they did like two at the end of the year and there was three months gap and then they did a new year's edition and then a chinese new year's edition and a Valentine's edition, and an Easter edition. I'm sensing a theme and it, here. It got to the point that these limited edition items were every week, virtually. And there's people who now they did one recently, and I can't quite remember what it was for. And someone went, "This is great and all, but where's my uh, secret layer from last November?" And then oh, so one they of the things they weren't that fulfilling all the all the the promises of old. Yeah, um, and there's loads of people, yeah. and one of the other issues, like with John saying about shipping and with Hero Quest being US exclusive, they did. Um, oh, we're redoing this Commander set. Commander's a very popular Magic the Gathering format, and they went, oh, we're going to re-release all these old decks that are super expensive because they're they're old, and people were like, oh, this is amazing, and everyone queued up to, on this the ter- the same terrible Hasbro website that I mentioned before. And they got there and they went, yeah, you can buy this, but only in the US. And then there were people, so one guy asked his friend, like, oh, can you get me one and ship it and then ship it to me? And he went, let me check for weight. And he said for the parcel weight and the item, it would have cost him almost as much as the the set to ship. And I think the set was something like $150, $160. And because people, and then what was happening with it is people were buying it. So there was an inflated secondary market of like four or $500. At, for, this is like old information and I'm sure prices have settled down there. But this Hero Quest thing just sounds like very much the same, you know, the same problem in a different hat. Yeah. 
the problem is that it's getting more traction because people our age are actually in like positions of power at this point at this time of our lives and can you know make a bit of a fuss about (laughs) it (laughs) all right well some of us that are here tonight uh can actually be in positions of authority to actually you know make some fuss and actually bring bring a bit of a stink about the whole situation um long in the tooth (laughs) john well the funny thing is though that like as 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 excited as I was for this, I and as pessimistic, uh, pessimistic. Um, the the funny thing is that they've actually changed very little about it. If you actually go into what the the um, the the release actually is, it's a lot of the same things. Yep, if you yep. I, if you actually buy the more expensive thing, it comes with two uh, packs, and they're exactly the same as the packs from the original. Yep, they just had a minor rules update and uh, some of the art looks a little bit better on the figurines and things that you're getting, is what I'm reading between the lines. From what I understand from people who actually, you know, um, uh, do do painting and uh, sculpting and that kind of thing, the models aren't easy to paint or they don't look <laughs> that way. They look quite complicated. Yeah. And one of the, the benefits of the original was that being a gateway game, the figures were quite easy to paint. So if you were interested in that sort of thing, it was easy to get into. Whereas people of this generation, uh, the next generation that might be wanting to do this, won't be able to, or it'll be less um, likely, likely that they'll be wanting to do that just because they look quite intimidating, these these well, new figures that they've brought out. Interesting fact for you. So Hasbro are doing the figures this time. Do you know who did the figures originally? No, I don't. Oh, it's Games, Games Workshop. Workshop. Yeah, exactly. And they make their money out of making figures relatively well, easy Workshop to pay. Do a Hero Quest supplement or something. Uh, like, I remember as I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, like, nine, ten. Like, there was one of the the boxes that I remember trying to get hold of because I was trying to convert uh, a high elf lord on a dragon, and I think it's called like the Silver Something Tower. And you got four wizard characters for this Games Workshop like D and D edition product, and it's actually it was I think the first time they did a full plastic dragon figure. Yeah. And or I looked at it, and as a fledgling teenager, I was like, I, I think I, I think I could sculpt a saddle and put a, a, a an elf lord figure that I like on it, and I'd be able to like you know pin the thing together to make it stable if i have to use a metal lord or something but it was i may as well have been on a quest for gold dust or you know (laughs) unicorn poo you know it was i've seen i've seen those those boxes go for like 100 pounds now on ebay uh the funny thing is that the original rrp for those uh those boxes the uh, the add-ons it was like it was like five pounds each when they first came out I always remember this dra- the Dragon's Tower, whatever it was, because the four mage figures that came in it, they gave away free on the cover of the uh, White Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the first one I got was a Chaos Sorcerer, which I don't know if John will remember it. It was poorly painted, and it became like the uh, leader of my Warhammer Fantasy uh, Chaos army that I had for uh, however long we played Fantasy, and then I ended up playing 40k more with uh, John and another friend of ours called Simon. And um, I started off like every newbie with Marines. 
And then I was like, this is boring. So I just moved to Chaos Marines because that was clearly a massive step and change. Yeah, but yeah, would, you, would you say would you say it was fair to say though that that like uh, Hero Quest was the way one of the ways that you got into like your obsession with tabletop gaming? I'm just trying to think because like because it was for me. Like, so I remember I tell you actually the first tabletop game in that format that I bought. Uh, was Space Crusade, was yeah. the MB, which was basically Hero Quest in Space, or the MB Games one. Yeah. Was. Uh, and it also had, I think me and John were on about it, the advert where the kids are playing it and it's like so 90s. And then the, the Dreadnought bursts through the wall. Yeah, I've seen this exact advert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, like the advert didn't bother <laughs> me, but I saw the figures on the table and I was on this, like in this game, and I was like, they are amazing. I, I, I love this. The great. Yep. Um, but like a lot of my board games, like from being a kid, is uh, I remember me and my sister used to play Cluedo, so much Cluedo when I was a kid. Um, and then I just played like a lot of the old, like the proper old school games, like you know Ludo and stuff like that with my family, because I grew up as a child in the eighties to the nineties, um, and then I think Space Crusade was my lead-in to sort of this kind of event, um, and I I just remember me and a couple of friends tried playing it, and then a kid up the street was like, "Oh, I've got Hero Quest." And broadsword yeah and me and two or three people were like sure we'll give it a go and then my friday nights from about the age of nine to eleven were like playing hero quest and probably playing it wrong but having fun it didn't matter yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly what, what about you dan because you're obviously a fetus compared to us so <laughs> yes yeah so um it's it's actually very similar it wasn't the hero quest though it was the the the, the obvious successor or successor from a Games Workshop perspective, which was Warhammer Fantasy Battles. Mm. Um, I played that extensively um, from the ages of about um, 11 uh, till about 14. I played it a lot, the Warhammer Fantasy Battles. And I actually still have my army downstairs purely because it's in the presentation box and I've just moved house, moved house, and not managed to, you know, not thought Never to sell it. it. Um, see, but I've got um, a dwarf army and a high elf army in there. So, see, I'm terribly jealous of whoever managed to keep hold of their stuff because my dad had all that stuff, and he, he's the reason I got into this stuff. He, he like would buy those games. He had quite a few of them, and he would uh, play against me because um, nobody else in the house would. And he would make me cry. Uh, and he made me into a man. He never took it easy on me. He always made me cry. He would beat me into the ground and then go, do you want to play again? And then i go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the thing yeah. was, right, I left home and all that stuff was left in the attic and he gave it away. Oh. And there I were... There were some very specific niche games that he got rid of that would probably be worth thousands now. But never mind. It's all gone. I, I remember in high school buying off John. Uh, John's dad bought the new version of Space Hulk. Or it's not the new version, but they redid Space Hulk and they had like the really cool plastic Terminators, which were like yep. the multi-part kit ones, opposed to the old versions, which were like just a one-piece. Yeah, they were very scrunched up, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, and I was like, oh, they're so cool. And I was playing Space Marines at the time. I was like, I'd love to get them instead because it used to be metal figures for the Terminators. Yep. Uh, like, kids who play Games Workshop today will not understand why people oh. of my age have, like, hernias. Uh, <laughs> because you used to, you, like, you were swole if you played Games Workshop. <laughs> the early, early shoulder, that was it. <laughs> but, or, like, you wanted a squad of Terminators, all the figures were made out of a lead base metal. <laughs> yep. Which was yep. just known as white metal. Um, and you if know, you had to take them anywhere and you had like your water, Warmer 40k uh, 2000 point army and it was all yeah. metal, yeah. you were getting yeah. swallowed off that, just moving that yeah. stuff around. Like, I remember Simon McMinnis once asking school if he could just leave his... Because uh, he used to play Imperial Guard. And he yeah. just asked if he could leave his stuff there for when we played after school. Because of the, he had so many tanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing was, though, he, he only lived like five minutes away from school. I lived like 40 <laughs> minutes away. And I think it's similar for you, wasn't it, Gareth? It, it was so heavy bringing everything to school. Yeah. Um, I, I remember playing and I was like... I'm so I was like I would purposely again going to the the budget thing I would be like I'm purposely building my army around plastics because a it's so much cheaper and b the walk to I think uh, the walk from my house to school was like a mile and a quarter but it's one of those walks where you've got to it's it's not like a sh like it's not like oh you just go in a straight line and you're there in like 30 minutes 35 minutes it's like no, you've got to go down this long road and then turn down another long road. Like it's not as the crow flies, sadly. And I remember the day when it was like, oh, we'll do a. Th was it three or four? Because was it me, you, Simon McMinnis, and we used to play John Heap from yeah. time to time. Um, and I, I just was like, when I always used to try and barter people down to like a thousand or fifteen hundred points <laughs> i i always tried to barter people down because i was like in school i'd have probably like my 40k stuff and then i'd also probably have rugby that day or some form of rugby training so it's like i've got like all my stuff for the day for six hours of school i've got my rugby kit i've got for after i've finished whatever rugby related task i've got i was playing games workshop and it was like I'm just tired now. I want to roll some <laughs> dice, try and make my maths and my life as easy as possible, <laughs> and hopefully pray that whoever I'm playing against isn't ready for just constant Las, Chasm, Las Cannon spam or whatever. Although I always found with Games Workshop games, um, when Necromunda was released, like my switch from 40k uh to necromunda was like instant just like straight in on that yeah uh, i very I mean, much enjoy that skirmish game scenario from my perspective um about um the the games and carrying them everywhere the you are completely right compared to what you probably had to suffer i had significantly more plastic models in my uh carry case i can assure you um, i'm sure but also distinctly remember that i was like 11 12 13 and where i used to live there wasn't really a games workshop nearby, so I had to get a bus with the carry case yeah. to um, Bury or, or to Manchester Centre, which is where I used to live, um, in order to play Games Workshop. And now that was murder. That was murder for me. My shoulder would be like, oh. And I was 11 or 12, and so this big carry case would always be scraping the floor 
but I also had significantly fewer pewter models. It was like, yeah. from a high L perspective, I had the White Lions and the Rangers and yeah, yeah. everything else, and, and the, 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 the champions, so to speak, and everything else was um, so was uh, plastic. Before we move on to the next topic, uh, can we just get like a, a, a verdict on how we feel about the, the Hero Quest announcement? Uh, whether or not it's uh, disappointment, uh, outraged, or uh, maybe room for improvement, perhaps, <laughs> if we're being generous. I think if we're doing this, like, uh, we'll save you to last, John, because I think this is your definitely your topic and definitely a, a scenario where your opinions are... I, I'm, I may start, if I'm going to be rude, because uh, this is really my first take on it. But as soon as I heard the part is involved, and obviously, as you'll have guessed, I've got affiliations to Hasbro due to my choice of lifestyle. Um, I wasn't surprised at all. And at the minute, they're desperate just to get money in. Because I know they cancelled, I know they did like the Transformers TCG, which in the middle of the COVID, they were just like, oh, we're just going to abandon it now because (laughs) we can't sell any more product on it. And it wasn't doing very well. Yeah. Um, And the the sort of, the doing that um, go to the classics kind of thing, because there's a lot of D&D supplements been released during COVID, or it feels like that. Maybe I'm no, just... there's not. There's not been loads. Um, I it can jump in on that like, one. <laughs> yeah, it just feels like it's definitely being more heavily advertised. Perhaps is yeah, where, yeah. Um, and I think they're trying to go into that. They're trying to encourage that stay at home party game thing because that's what people in many countries are kind of being told. Depending yeah. on the individuals you talk to. Well, I can I can kind of finish off what Gareth just mentioned there and about the D and D, and then I'll give my opinion on the hero question. D and D has only come up with two. Uh, they came up with Mythic Odyssey, Mythic Odyssey of Theros, yes. which is, as you might be able to guess, where it's Hasbro and it's also directly related to a variety Magic of worlds. Gathering. The Magic the Gathering being the key one, and also the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which was Critical Role affiliated. So those are the two main that have come out. Is it but, I, uh, Rhyme of Icedale? Maybe yeah, the, the Rhyme of Icedale has just come out. Um, but that, well, I think it's just been officially released. Uh, the releasing is it Tasha's Cauldron, to, Cauldron of Everything? Yeah. Oh, it's a so, Star Trek um, uh, tie-in. No, no, it's not. No, no. No. Tasha is actually Tasha of Tasha's vicious mockery Ta- fame. Tasha's hideous, hideous laughter. They're actually spell yeah. names. Yeah, but um, but that actually falls directly in line, Gareth, because. The, the moving towards this um, four books or four supplements a year. Yeah. And so that will bring up to the four in the year. So Tasha's Idiot's Laughter, uh, no, Tasha, you, you know, Cal- yeah. yeah, Tasha's Cauldron will be released in Q4, having Mythic, Od- Mythic Odyssey in Q1, Explorers Guide to Wilmot Q2. I, st- I will admit that Tasha's has me excited, but yeah, it's got lots of spells in it. I can't wait for that. But um, just to bring it back round, they are looking for more online. Um, playing and so they've also used D&D Beyond a lot recently as you'll have seen they've been advertising that key, uh, a bunch because they've introduced dice rolling in, in, in it you know inside it and also yeah. being able to roll ability scores and how you can connect that with things like roll 20 and stuff like that but hero quest I'm very disappointed I'm disappointed I'm, I'm not very disappointed actually I'm disappointed because there is still a chance I could get hold of a copy rare as it may be However, I also sneakily suspect we may still see it. 
but it will be a couple of years down the line. And that's my... I'm, I'm negative, but, you know, I'm hopeful. And that's where I am upset because they they put forwards into the, the like, the, the, the news cycle uh, to, you know, the people who, who would be most interested in this kind of thing around the world because that's how the internet works nowadays. Um, this thing was coming back that everyone was... I oh <laughs> well well we're never distributing this in China now Gareth thanks a lot for that yeah that well done anyway so <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah they they were they were obviously getting some some hype uh, maybe not like you know um, it got onto IGN I don't know if you guys noticed that yeah. um, it, like IGN is is a big website for for games and games playing for tabletop people so um, it was getting some buzz around it and then suddenly. Hey, it's not for any of us. Um, it just seems like a misstep. It, it seems like a mistake. Um, I just had a quick look at Hasbro uh, Gaming Worldwide, uh, which has, uh, was it something like 30 different countries that they're representing? And hey, only one of those you can, well, technically two, two of those you can actually get one, the game one, in. 1.8, 1.8. Yeah. The Quebec that counts for a lot. So yeah. yeah, so it just seems like what are they doing? It just seems I I'm disappointed. I I wanted there to be, well, one I wanted there to be another Hero Quest. Two I wanted them to do something maybe maybe a little bit more than what they they've offered here. Um, some changes to to more than just some of the rules and the artwork from the original, which. Yeah. Uh, I I can't say it looks better personally. I prefer the original, <laughs> but that could just be nostalgia talking. Who knows? Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a mistake in my opinion, and just the fact that they know that they're not going to be shipping these copies in the US until the near enough the end of next, next year, year is just I don't know. By that point, anyone who has been interested in it will have moved on to the next thing. Like saying that they're they're getting like you know people interested in Hero Quest again, then waiting eighteen months for us to actually be able to get it. It's too late by then. All you're going to be yeah. doing from their perspective is making us upset, and then not want to give them the money. Like it, it just I don't know. It seems like a PR disaster to me. And that, that's been a lot of Hasbro's like for this. They're trying to create this false limited edition feel. Where it's like, oh, we'll print to we'll print to demand, but you only have so long to make your demands. I can completely under- understand that point of view. Like, get the the buzz and everybody who is interested interested, because that sells the copies, and you can you can uh, make off your pre-orders as many you know units as you need. I don't have a problem with that. Some people do that very well. Like there's a there's a games company called Limited Run Games and they have a yeah. pre-order thing where you go, "Okay, we're open pre-orders for worldwide for the next 4 weeks." Everyone gets in what they want and they go, "Okay, well it's closed now unfortunately. Um you've had your time, but we're going to ship everywhere." Everyone who wanted that, we gave you plenty of opportunities to get it. There you go. It will be ready when it's ready. You know, this always, this has always been a curiosity for me, like with some of the Kickstarter games, because uh, I've seen, I've had so, I'm sure, you two probably have this as well. So many like Kickstarter tabletop games advertised to them, or like I remember last year, 
there was a game that was getting heavily focused to me on my Facebook called God Tier, and it was it was how it was a sort of weird. You played on a hexagonal playmat, and it was you picked champions who had minions, so it was almost like tabletop League of Legends. Yeah. Slash. But then once I did that, and apparently it was one of those things where everybody in the dog had had the same idea of trying to do like League of Legends, but the board game. And I always find this thing with Kickstarter companies, I'm kind of curious as to how the business models in the background run. Like for someone like Hasbro, who's already got like the massive production lines all up and running or available to them, it, that you know, I can get that. But when you see these like small companies going like, oh, yeah, yeah. If you and the thing with like God tier, I think you can still find it, and it uh, it's tier as in crying, not as in like of a cake. And they were like, oh, if you buy the game for a hundred dollars, you get this and four factions of your choice. But then they they were creating like a supplement faction like every two weeks, and you could spend probably like four hundred dollars for. And like the if the minis were like what they were showing us in the uh, photos were like a true likeness of what you got, the minis were insanely good. And part of me was like, I just have them for like any you know any fantasy style tabletop game. Or you know some of them like I could imagine in a a corn army in forty k or yeah, there's loads of really cool stuff. I mean, and the... it... go on, sorry. No, I was just gonna say, and this. It's like a weird fascination, like I, it, uh, a little bit like um, I was saying the other week, like Burnbright that's made by Roll20. I had like this weird obsessive fascination to find out like what the hell, like how does this work and how does it come together? And I, I can understand John's disappointment because he, he like, you know, is really uh, um, like, I don't think I can say how big of a fan John is of Hero Quest. I, because, I, like, I, I watched, I watched the, the Bardic bro- broadcast um, uh, video on YouTube about how great everything that's great about HeroQuest uh, probably about once a week because that video <laughs> encapsulates everything that is good about my childhood and memories of my dad with my dad, my dad isn't dead I take that back no. <laughs> <laughs> well like, yeah. we, we can easily take that as a nice segue anyway from one big company Big mm. gaming company. Yes. To another that is making a massive foray into gaming, considering that it is a software company by and large, Microsoft has bought Bethesda Studios. Yes. Yes. I mean, how it's... does Bethesda feel about this? Because they might actually have to finish a game before releasing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine if Microsoft Game Studios, as it's now known, finds them? Finds a studio for every bug found before release. That's what I saw. Oh yeah. But then that... again, it's also Microsoft who make Windows, and let's look at their sort of yeah, hand in hand. I can imagine the top tier so uh, guys who are like, "Hey, the 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 deal went through," and everyone's like, "Oh, congratulations, guys, We're on a job well done." Meanwhile, down in the uh, the depths of the company, the Q and A department's just like, "Oh no, what have they done?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Well, so just to clarify as well, it is actually the purchase of Zenimax Media, which has multiple entities underneath it, um, including uh, Bethesda um, Software, ID Software, the Zenimax Studios, a few other mini game, um, mini game subsidiaries, as well as, and this is potentially quite important, 
the Asian um, Asian um, company that was set up for Zenimax. So right. they get another foothold, basically. Um, and yeah. for those of you who, that aren't aware, Bethesda makes a variety of games, including, but not limited to, Skyrim, Skyrim. the entire Skyrim series. Yep, yep, yep. Elder Scrolls, I think, is the term you want, not Skyrim. Yeah, sorry, Elder Scrolls. Yeah. But the reason I say that is because the last two games have been called... Oh, no, 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 it's, it's not called Skyrim. It's called Sky- Elder Scrolls Skyrim's Online, been released it? on, like, every single console going for the past, like, two and a half generations. And then it's also had limited editions and, like, yeah. Game of the Year editions released. Yeah, no. Um, and Fallout. Fallout is another big one that... Um, Bethesda themselves actually acquired that like uh was it like 10 15 years ago so they're not the original purveyors of that particular franchise but But they definitely own well they they owned the ip but they brought it to to the mainstream yes 100 percent. yeah because like original fortnite was like an isometric kind of game uh, not fortnite uh, (laughs) fallout Fallout. yeah yeah Uh, and Quake, do we all remember Quake? Doom. Oh man. Oh. Wolfenstein. Oh. Jesus, let's have a look. Do, do, oldest do, do, do. first. I'm gonna go from oldest first. So. Um... Uh, no, not Doom Nukem, Gareth. That's owned by THQ, oh, I think. Yeah. Now it is anyway. Going through that whole thing. All I've got memories of getting into trouble at sixth form for was it Craig put Doom onto the school server. I thought it was Duke 3D. No, he put he started with Doom, and then he put Duke Nukem 3D on. Yeah, and then our head uh, head teacher came into the room and went, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> um, Rage is in there as well. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm these still are all... looking at games. I mean, so these are all now owned by Microsoft. And me and John were discussing this as a preamble to this podcast, um, and we were like, you know, I wonder what's going to happen. Um, and um, I had a look at. Um, what else Microsoft Studios now owns, and they own a lot. <laughs> Turns out they've been doing this for quite a while, uh, acquiring studios. It was always the uh, the rumor that they were going to get somebody big, and for a long time it was um, people like Capcom because they were struggling. Nobody ever talked about Bethesda because it was it was a company doing well for itself. It wasn't ever struggling, so nobody ever thought it would be this particular company. But the 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 word is that. Um, uh, some of the higher ups in that company just thought this is the time to cash out. So seven point five billion US dollars allegedly yeah. is being reported for the game company. That's can you imagine ten years ago if someone said to you that a game company is going to be worth billions of dollars uh, uh, or two Star Wars companies? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll jump off exactly that, which is another game studio that Microsoft bought that is. Possibly one of the most popular games around, especially for its time, 2014. Um, well, uh, it was purchased in 2016 or 2017, I think, which was Minecraft and Mojang Studios. Yes. Two and a half yeah. billion. I mean, I bet Marcus Purse and Notch was just like, oh, yes, yes, take it, take it, take it. Because, I mean, it made him a, mil- a billionaire overnight. He was on the Forbes list the next day. Um yeah. I, I, would, I would feel that like Microsoft have actually done quite well with that IP as well, though. Like that's what I was just about I, to say. Yeah, because you you hear a lot of um, stories about particular companies like like the EAs and the uh, the Ubisofts and what have you, like taking these companies and actually not doing very much with them. Or in EA's case, 
infamously shutting them down years after actually acquiring them and doing nothing yeah. with them. And they, they spent years in production of a game and then they shut it down and everyone... And anyway, I'm not going to go into it. Um, <laughs> it's not what we're here but, for today. Yeah, no, no, no. We're, we're here to discuss mainly this. The, but 100% true. Like, the Minecraft, I actually looked um, and there has been um, a number of updates. I'm going to just count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight pretty decent content updates for minecraft since they purchased it so it has not just been sat on a shelf and then they also went mobile with it they went they put it on some mobile platforms yeah. where mojang wouldn't have been able to do that no they also expanded what the the actual minecraft universe was as well didn't they they, they brought out like separate games that were spin-offs yeah. and, yeah, and yeah. different kinds of uh, uh different kinds of game you know so yeah. th they have been doing things with it so i i I don't want to speak too early, but I, I feel like it's actually a, a good get for Microsoft, obviously. But I think it's a good deal for everyone that's actually interested in those franchises as well. I don't think yep. that they're just going to sit there and do nothing with them. So it, it also, it, there's other, other uh, companies that are associated with Bethesda that are on the smaller side. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but some of them like weren't in too good a place. So maybe hopefully this sort of stability from being acquired by Microsoft, such a big company that actually has precedence for, for actually giving their companies uh, space to do what they want, it could actually be a really good thing. Well, it yeah. seems like they're giving them development backing, which is like super important. And like Minecraft is just a weird game for me. It's, it's just that game that just doesn't want to go away. You just like, how can a game that looks purposely so dated and like you know, who knew that digitizing Lego would be m more popular than Lego when they digitized Lego poorly? Uh, yeah. Um, I have actually got some states, some stats for you. Um, so there is two hundred million copies sold across all platforms as of right now. Of I own about six of them. <laughs> yeah, I own at least two. And they still have... Every time my son got a new console, thanks to uh, a grandparent... <laughs> yeah. Does it, it do like, the oh, Minecraft. Minecraft? Yeah. <laughs> Minecraft, yay! Um, but 126 million monthly active users Yeah. as of this year. That's, that's an up-to-date stat. So that's Minecraft alone. So if we're looking at Bethesda and, and Microsoft, I mean... Do you do you want to talk about how this affects the the Game Pass scenario as well? Because that that is a big part of it. So yeah. w one of the things that, that they've mentioned, like during this acquisition, is that everything that they not everything, but a lot of the things that are actually involved in Bethesda games will be going over to Game Pass, which before this was already a really really good deal for everybody who was uh, involved in it. It just got even better. Um, so I. <laughs> Anyone who's who has access to Game Pass and isn't taking advantage of it, I I think it's quite foolish to be quite honest. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and directly related to the to the um, to the Games Pass, it was only announced just before the Bethesda takeover that EA Play is coming to Games Pass. Yes, them too. Like it, it's just this Xbox Games Pass is going to be like the go-to thing. I think. I mean, I'm I used to be an Xbox player. I'm not anymore, but they still it's Microsoft and my machine is Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. you have a Windows machine. Like exactly. I, I I don't think I'll be buying either a PS5 or uh the new Xbox because I have this PC that we're using right now 
and I'll have access to most of the things that they'll be talking about. Okay, they might not be day and date with the console releases because they need to give something to those people, but yeah, yeah. I yeah. will eventually have access to everything that they have. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I just think it's a really good deal. And um, I, I wonder actually how much of this is actually to do with the fact that Halo got, um, got pushed from the yeah. release of the new Xbox. I call it the new Xbox because I, I always forget what the actual title of it is. I want to call it Xbox Series X, but I, I keep thinking that that's the previous model. Uh, yeah. A little thing that came up, by the way, the um, when the pre-order happened for the, the new Xbox, uh, on the American uh, Amazon site, the uh, sales of the previous model that has a very similar name of it went up 400% because people yes. were misordering them thinking that they were the new xbox you'd think that yeah. microsoft might need to work on this marketing technique they've got for naming the xbox family yeah it's like when the xbox one came out it's like loads of people petitioned that we refer to it as the x-bone yeah yeah <laughs> xb1 yeah i saw i saw a post on facebook that was like um, compared to Xbox or compared to Microsoft, the person who created the name for the PlayStation should be given a raise because it has been the PS1, the PS2, the PS2 Slim, the PS3, PS4, PS5. It is so simple. Yep. You, you know where you're getting with it. I, I feel upset in this, Dan, because there was also. I'm ignoring the handhelds. No, I'm ignoring no, those. There was a PS1 Slim, there was a PS3 oh, was Slim, it? a PS4 Slim. So if you were going to mention PS2 Slim, I feel that you know you should have mentioned all the other subcategories. I'll be honest. I am an Xbox player. I used to own a PS2 Slim. That was the extent. So yeah. I knew. I was like, well, there's a PS1, PS2, and a PS2 Slim because I used to own it. PS3, yeah. PS4, PS5. And I'm, not, I, I, I'm, my I'm ignoring the handhelds. In fact, all of my PlayStation consoles, with the exception, uh, I had full fat PlayStation 2. My PlayStation 4 next to me is a, a Slim, and my PS3 was a Slim uh, just because of like the living conditions that I had at the time. Yeah. Um, Right, we're very small. Th th this gives you an idea of how complicated it was, though. Right, I I got into the situation during the lockdown of um, wanting to get some old consoles and fixing them because they were broken. And I bought this job lot of uh, consoles, and one of them was in no way did they slow down a D and D session for about an hour as well. I don't know what you're talking about. Besides, no idea, besides which, um, so I I got these these consoles, and one of them was an original Xbox you know the big one the big daddy the black monolith type behemoth that weighed the a lot that... it's the first time i've actually seen one and it weighed like 10 pounds it's enormous yeah, anyway yeah, yeah. so i got that and I, I i i found that there was actually nothing wrong with it so i went to ebay to try and uh, sell it and trying to put in the actual technical uh, details to actually get <laughs> that it's an actual original xbox brackets original um brackets the year it was made because actually trying to get it to the actual section that i want it to be in is more complicated than it downs. really needs to be yeah, it, it, yeah. you know I, as much as i'm like thinking that this bethesda deal is 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 a really good get for for microsoft they kind of needed to because they are so far behind sony in yeah. in, in every single other type of metric that's important to the console war if you still want to call it that 
because yeah. it's more like a, a console democracy at this point because everyone goes okay it's coming to us for now <laughs> star <laughs> yeah, shape yeah. pc in six months time uh the other console later yeah, on yeah. when we decide it will make us money on a side note though sony will always go so you like Spider-Man, do you? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Venom. Let's, let's throw some Venom in there. Why not? Let's, we saw you that know, you Venom. liked that Into the Spider-Verse movie. We've got you, bro. <laughs> New game. New coming. Yep, exactly. I mean, uh, to, to be fair, like looking at Microsoft. I mean, I'm, again, I'm still in the Xbox Game Studios right now. Um, Let's talk about the original Xbox for a second, just a very second. Halo. Yes. So Bungie was created for Halo, more or less solely for you know, solely for Xbox at the time. It was the game. It was it was created, designed, and then Microsoft very quickly after the initial creation went, Yeah, we'll put you under our company now, under the Xbox Game Studios as it was. And then Bungie's now handed over the IP. And then separated again. Yeah, so it does yeah. make me think. You know, they've done Destiny. They've done Destiny with Activision. Um, I don't know how it'll, well, what it'll it, mean for the future, honestly. I, I feel, I I feel like... From, to go on, Sorry, go. All right. Well, uh, uh, from what I understand, uh, having separated from Activision actually gave uh, Bungie the opportunity to do what they want. And uh, their fans wanted them to be doing what they're doing right now, which is a more like uh, live game, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. pay what you want sort of model, which is what most games of, of this type seem to be going towards anyway. But Activision's kind of, from what I understand, from my very armchair scenario uh, point of view, is that Activision's kind of was pretty much chaining them down to the old model, which is the the Call of Duty model of, you know... Yeah. We, Release we, a game every year or else. Yeah, pretty just, much. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Bungie couldn't do that. Hence why they separated. Well, Call of Duty now itself has tried to be like the Fortnite model. Because yeah. they've got... Uh, is it Warzone? I don't know what their version is. But yeah, it's, it's Warzone. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, Call of Duty, Fortnite... I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't call it Fortnite if I'm honest. I'd just say Battle Royale because Fortnite yeah, has oh, built yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's just my take. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the the like Activision have gone towards are like, oh well, if you can't beat them, join them. Mythology and Call of Duty has like such a fanat. Like John used to do uh, Call of Duty videos back in the day. Uh, back in the day, I yes. remember when I had I reflexes. Remember, I remember. <laughs> John sending me a video that he posted on YouTube. Was it uh, Riot Shields and Knives Only? Yes. And the other team realised that that John's team weren't taking it very seriously, so they swapped their loadout to something else very silly, and I can't remember what it was. It was it was basically just a game full of people with Riot Shields and Knives and throwing knives, and you know it's it's what you do on a weekend when you haven't got much else to do and you've played the game for an entire year. Yeah, it yeah. gets a bit silly. But it was lots of fun back when yeah. I could actually, you know, turn and do stuff within, you know, like a, well, no, well, below a second. Now, now you've got a mouse. You just increase the DPI, right? <laughs> God. Yeah. I'm sorry, John. You're getting older. I'm, I'm I, I, I know. I know. I, I will hide the greys. Sorry. For, for those of you watching the video. Yes. Um, why I'm wearing a, a hat. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Gareth. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I'm. I think it's going to be a positive thing. Um, just very quickly, something I didn't even realize. Obviously, uh, if you don't know, the uh, Microsoft Game Studios isn't always. They own the rights to Gears of War. Yes, they have done for quite well yeah. actually. Do you uh, remember who they bought it from? Epic. Epic Games. Yeah. I was like, I, I never realized that the two were connected at all. I mean, Epic have gone on to, to a few a few decent decent things since. They've then. done all right for themselves. They've done all yeah, right. Yeah, 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 they're not. They're not suffering. That's for sure. Um, was, but then um, also, I just feel like I'm suffering due to Epic Games. <laughs> your your bank balances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those V bucks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but just very quickly, I mean, some other things. They own the Forza Motorsport. Yes. Um, they um, now own the uh, Age of Empires. Yeah. Um, so, oh, okay. yeah, the franchise for that. Yeah, the State of Decay, stuff like that. Um, and some of the more um, indie, quote-unquote, games that came out. So, um, the Sea of Thieves. Do you remember the, the game? Well, they own Rare, don't they? They own yeah. Rare, and that was a Rare product. Yeah, yeah, they own Rare, yeah. Um, that game was unnecessarily complicated at points. Sea of Thieves. Yeah. I never played it, yeah. but it, it seemed like it was it was fun for what it was. You could get yeah. drunk and yeah. sing, I think, and that was about it. Yeah, yeah, you you could play as a bard, so you'd have been right at home, John. Ah, Damn. Um, a wee happy few. Uh, I don't know whether you've seen that being played, but that's that's a weird game. That I, there was a lot of hype, wasn't there, when that was announced at E3, yeah. and it turned out to not be that. It was basically a, a vertical slice of a game that didn't exist. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when it was shown, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah. But so what's I mean, in that's... the box? We don't go in the box. Yeah, we do. We don't. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't open that box. We don't press what's that. Behind button. the curtain, just just trust me. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Just trust us. It's good. Do you not believe us? Come on, I'm a very trusty guy. Um, but yeah. So uh, funnily enough, I mean, we're, we're going to get final comments on this. But um, John, you mentioned that it was like a democracy. For their consoles, yes, and you completely forgot about the one that we're going to be talking about next. Oh, you it's mean it's own niche? Right <laughs> it's own niche. You mean do you 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 wouldn't perhaps be meaning Among Us, would you? No, no, no. I was talking about the the game, um, the the game that was released at the start of lockdown on the Nintendo Switch. Oh, you mean uh, Animal Crossing? Sorry, yes, Animal I, Crossing. I, yes, I, I, miss, yeah. I misread your your secret signal the there. Q, it's it's fine. It's fine. We're going to go into both. So to, yeah, so it's, it's fine. A great segue. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about the the Animal Crossing Among Us bit um, that I'm quite interested in. I know I've already said this to John, I'm quite interested in it. Yeah. But final thoughts on Bethesda overtaking, uh, sorry, Being Microsoft taken taking over. over. It made a potentially disastrous uh, intro into their new console interesting again, and it gave something to the console war to to those people to chew on. Uh, being a PC yeah. gamer, I'm not interested in that to be honest, but those people who are, it gives them some ammunition to throw at those Sony boys. Yeah. Plus new Elder Scrolls. Yeah. I See, a little takeaway for me is, is Bethesda now going to be the new Lionsgate studio and are Microsoft going to force them to make a new Fable game because Fable fans have kicked off for forever especially after like the damp squib that was fable did, 3 did you not watch e3 oh, I saw that there was something like something listed to do with fable so another company that microsoft now owns yeah um playground games based in leamington spa actually in the good great united kingdom are working on the next fable game 
Yes. So don't luckily Bethesda do not have to divert all resources there. Thank the Lord. That's uh, what you think, but I reckon it's all just a cover story now. It could well oh, be. Yeah, I mean, I'm going yeah. to start the Bethesda fable. Uh, conspiracy theories now. The the only thing they had to release for that, by the way, was just the CGI trailer with a farting frog or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, was it was, it was next yeah. to nothing. So yeah. with with a title. So I mean, it didn't actually show anything. So it, I mean, I mean, they could they could bring in some people from those other companies, but I I I, I don't imagine how well that might work. Um, yeah. Bringing bringing in talent from other companies doesn't always make success. So. I just have yeah. the mental image of Bill Gates now in a red hat with Make Fable Great Again. Oh, <laughs> oh no. I don't have to last night. We can't talk about that. Let's, no. uh, I've not seen it. I've moving on. It. Moving on, let's, Dan Savers. Let's move on to, uh, to the next topic, uh, which is um, a little bit about the Nintendo Switch, which you completely ignored in your console debate war. <laughs> um, it does have its own separate niche, though. It does. Um, and I read an interesting thing recently, and it made me really think about it. And I want to get your guys' take. So, okay. at the start of lockdown, um, Animal Crossing was released, mm-hmm. much to the delight of people, where to the fact that Switches were sold out everywhere. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was my uh, generic response to Animal Crossing. Yeah. Uh, Shrug. Yeah. People like it. But the idea was, is that especially at the start of lockdown, people were spending hours, hundreds of hours, thousands of hours creating houses inviting people around, making sure that Tom Nook was paid his dues on time. What, mate, it's because we couldn't do it in reality. I could be successful. It fit the niche. It fit the niche at the time, yeah. Let me live my successful life, even if it's virtual only. Exactly, yeah. Sell apples. Sell apples. Quick, I've got to sell these quick. I owe Tom Nook money. No! Um... But that, so that was at the start of lockdown, and everything was really nice. Do you remember everyone was on Facebook saying, "Oh, I've got this game," especially for my generation. I'm sure you'll have friends as well, and seeing it on Twitter. Oh, share your, share your friend codes and stuff like that. We'll, I'll visit your island. Um, yeah. And uh, we're now close to the end of lockdown. We hope, although we're just starting to go back down into it. So, as a time of recording, um, it is the 30th of September, and we may all be locked down again by Christmas. But that's um, all I've got to, in my head is where. Just just before you go, and I've got the Mitchell and Webb thing with after the event, stay yeah. in your homes. <laughs> stay in your homes, yep, yep, yep. Um, but now we're, at, uh, in theory, we were towards the end, but we've definitely progressed through this lockdown. Um, and the latest, well, there's, there's actually another game that came in between that I want to just bring up as well because it, it shows the actual link. So we had a game where um, it was a free-for-all and you wanted to win all the time to the point where you'd push people off ledges and things like that. So four guys. guys. Yeah. So so we we made a you know it's it's a nice nice looking game with great houses and, and great, you know, politeness to one where okay, you were trying to win. It was a little less polite, but there was sometimes team games. Yeah. Um, and now we've developed to the point where um the most fun that a person can have is lying, stabbing people in the back and throwing them out of airlocks in Among Us. I think there's a song title, and it's is it "Lying is the most fun a woman can have without taking her clothes off" by Fallout Boy. It's in brackets uh, so without taking her clothes yeah, off. I just want to point out. But um, yeah, Fall Guys I found really weird because it it was like loads of people were like, "Oh, it's a free game," and it was a twenty pound game, but it was free with Game Pass. And yeah, if you paid like, like that, yeah. PlayStation Plus or uh, Network, whatever it's called, and I was like. 
why are people so excited for Battle Royale Mario Party? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was just there, and like all the content creators that my son watches who do like Fortnite and uh, Minecraft, and they were all like, oh, come and check this out. And I was like, people hate Mario Party for a reason. <laughs> I was just going to say, you're kind of upselling Mario Party though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not many people uh, play that, but they play Fall Guys instead, that's why. Yeah, but <laughs> you know. Mar- if you play Mario Party with any number of AI, you're going to be so close 95% <laughs> time of winning. And then magically they stop on a thing. It's like, oh yeah, there's a dice that's a three, which takes me to the finish. Bye, suckers. Uh, and that's what Fall Guys is. Like, Fall Guys is weird in the fact that one of its end games is stolen from Minecraft because it's the lava drop game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, it's called Spleef, but yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know what it's called in game. It's called. Um, like, you, you keep called, going, I'll think of it. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's called like Lava Drop if you play because it used to be called Spleef when it was done independently. And then it got like when you play it on Minecraft, all the version, like the mini games have their own names and servers. But I was just like, Okay, so someone's gone. We're going to take people's favorite mini games from other games, and we're going to have these weird-looking characters in it. And I almost feel like Fall Guys has almost been forgotten already, or maybe that's just me. Because like a lot of content creators, are like, oh, it's such a great game, and then it just fell off the face of the planet. But yep. to link into what Dan said, a game that was made two years ago and nobody cared about in Among Us, yeah, as the amount like. Even Ninja from Fortnite has basically changed his channel to being on YouTube, playing Among Us with other Fortnite YouTubers. Yeah. And um, no, um, nobody could see it, it coming, me, though. I think. Sorry. Nobody could see it coming. Like, mm-hmm. d- it's a deception type game. Deception yeah. type games have been going for absolutely ages. So yeah. this is what I was trying to say in the WhatsApp, and because of how the last week's gone, whenever I see Among Us. It makes me think of a game that I used to play, a thing called Woodcraft Folk, which was like a, a, a sort of like scuffed version of the Scouts. Um, and it was the nearest thing for me to do when I was a kid. And we used to play a game called Wink Murder. And you'd have one kid sent yeah, out of the room who film, was the yeah. detective. And then you'd all be sat in a circle with the, the other kids in the group. And we played it at school as well. And the, the teacher would pick a murderer. Yeah, and you'd have to see how many people via the the process of just winking, you could uh, kill. kill. Uh, and then I remember, like, as we got a little bit older, we introduced the teacher, and so even us, we suggested like, oh, how about like a variant rule where you have maybe two, you get to pick the murderer gets to pick an accomplice, or you know, you've got to try and work it all out. And Among Us just makes me really think of that of playing Wink Murder as a child, yeah. but also with like some Cluedo detective-y elements. And yeah. I just love, maybe it's, uh, I just love the psychology that people try to apply to it. I think it's a sign um, of the times, though. Really... Sorry, I think it's a, it's a sign of the times because everybody is stuck inside they want something to do they want a social thing to do and that just plays into these sort of wants and needs that people have like to have social interaction with other people that okay for the most part is deception based but it it gives people a, a thing to be excited for 
like yeah. that is easily accessible as well. Like on yeah. Steam, it's three ninety nine, I think, in, yeah, so, in yeah. pounds. Any, the, anyone can play it. It due to the explosion of popularity, the company that made it went, oh, we're going to do uh, Among Us two to try and cash in on it. And then what they did about a week later, that announcement was actually we're going to shelve the development because there's still bugs in the game. So we'll fix all the bugs. And I think they were like, oh, we're going to be more um, open to suggestion on yeah. what what well, people I mean, want fixing and adjusting. Yeah, they've come out and said, we're going to do an entire new level for you because currently there's three levels or four levels in there. We're going to do another one. Three. But it's worth, it's worth pointing out, we keep saying that they... It's one person. It's one guy. Yeah. Is it one guy? It's one guy. Yeah. Just I, like I think I think doing a sequel would be suicidal as well. Like yeah. it would it would separate the the player base. So yeah. it, it's smart of that guy. Someone um, someone's definitely turned around to him and said, "Don't do a sequel." Yeah. Just, it, just yeah. stay on this one. Just milk it. Yeah. Milk it. Yeah. Three nine nine each as well. Like he's going to need a lot of milking, but it's well, you can get it on the Android store and. Uh, I don't know if you can get it on iOS, but when I, I went on um, to update Links for my phone the other day when it was like, the new world update is here, uh, Among Us was advertised to me as a game I might be interested in as a game on my phone. It, it's on the iStore. Yeah, it's on, on the, the Apple Store, yeah. In the slot, it's the same people. And it's just honestly crazy how, I mean, yeah, and so just to carry on what John said as well, it is a deception-based social deduction game. Yeah. Social deduction games have always been trying to find the niche. They're always in board games. There is video games as well. Mm. But this one, for the simplicity of it, but also the way that the mechanics work is incredible. I love this game. I am playing this regularly. Um, I was I played it literally played yesterday. It all, but I'm, de- I'm so desperate to. I would like to as yeah, well. It's, <laughs> it's all yeah, about the moment looking yeah. at my life and my new uh, work schedule slash uh now my son's new training schedule and going somewhere <laughs> there is a slot i may have some free time yeah there may be a 20 minute slot here maybe i may eat that i'm not sure you know but uh, funnily enough actually that like this isn't the first time a deception type game has become popular uh on on youtube or, or basic social media uh there was a game a couple of years ago i don't know if you guys know it called uh the ship murder party and it was played by um, the probably who was one of the biggest um, uh, social media people, CNANAS, uh, did um, a couple of games of this particular type. Uh, and there were, it's a very similar sort of thing. It was done in a 3D-based thing rather than the simplistic uh, yeah. 2D isometric view that you have now for Among Us. But it it was a little bit too complicated. It, I could see why that failed and this worked because this is a lot simpler. It looks easy to get into because it is. Uh, whereas this this ship game, Murder Party, which um, it, it's on Steam and it, you can get it for nothing, um, it had a lot of the similar uh, uh, types of gameplay and what have you. But it was there was more to it. It was more complicated. And it and it put people off because I actually tried to get into that game and. You, you find a lot of people would just like it's too complicated so they got bored so they would just flaunt yeah. it and they would just murder each other for no particular reason Yeah. whereas this obviously there's just enough 
to, to, to keep people engaged, but not so much that it turns people off because, oh, I can't be bothered. It's it's too well, much. You can, do a, you can do a round of Among Us in like 10, 15 minutes. Not, not even that. I mean, if, if like, I mean, and this is this is the other thing as well. If if someone's played or watched a lot of hours, they know a lot of things about the game. So, for instance, yeah. I was in a game yesterday where um, there was we were in the cafeteria of one of the ship of one of the ship, and I basically went over to do my task, and um, the imposter came over, went to do the task as well. I left, and he left seconds after me, and he like he'd only been there for a couple of seconds, and so I literally just went, "I'm so sorry." So I walked over to the table. Emergency meeting. I'm sorry, but I happen to know that, that task takes longer than you just did it in. Well, no, actually, I even worded it. I said, "What task did you just do then?" Oh, the uh, he said, he said, "Oh, I did the wiring." I went, "Not that one. You weren't, you weren't doing the wiring there." He went, "Oh no, no you're right. It was the upload one." And I went, "It was the download one." But I mean, you're getting there. You, you're slowly getting there. And I felt so sorry, but it ended it in a minute. It was done in a minute. Yeah. Remind me not to play with Dan. Uh, <laughs> He's that guy. Yeah, unfortunately, I have that guy. I, well, one of the guys Oscar was watching, and they were doing Among Us. Um, basically, he sussed out such one of the players in the game was the imposter because he said, oh, "I was doing the such and such task," and he went, "But I don't have that in the settings, so how could you have been doing it?" Is, uh, because is... you can put common tasks in and stuff. Yeah. And he, he said, like, the common task that you said you were doing wasn't no one in else the has got task it. Yeah. list. Yeah. It's not it's... in the task list for the game, so no one can have it. It is It is deduction. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, And, and but... that, that's one of its strengths as well, is that it's nuanced enough that people who play the game more will have more experience and be able to do the game better. Yeah, I re- I quite enjoy um, a YouTuber called Gabby Sparks, and she usually does uh, Magic the Gathering content. But she's been playing Among Us, but she's also been streaming it, so she like turns a mic in and out of the Discord chat. Yeah. yeah. And when she's imposter, it's quite funny because she has the I call it the suspicious song, and she's like, "We got it, chat." And then she's like, "Oh, okay, I've got to do this." And she's like, "Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious." It's it's a great. It's going to be a great great game to stream as well. I've not streamed yeah. it yet because I've got to find a group who don't mind me putting them all online, basically. But it's like having that Discord overlay, and this is another great thing. The Discord overlay works with it, so yeah. you just okay. put in the Discord overlay. You can see where people are talking. Mm. And like as long as you're muted, you're making sure you're muted. It's kind of like. You can you can be realistic, and if you're the imposter, Jesus Christ, chats are going to go wild for it. Yeah, you know, you get a really good kill, and you manage to vent out, you know, from lights to security on on a certain. Well, map. that's one of the bugs that apparently someone said needs to be fixed because in one of the maps, uh, if you follow people, and you can sort of see into rooms, but they're dark sometimes. But apparently, the vent animation still can be seen. Yeah, yeah. So, so the vent animation like... shown, but. Not the color of the person jumping in, which yeah. is, I mean, to be fair, it's a buggy's going to work on. The inner sloth is going to yeah. work on. I'm not worried. Like, yeah. people have been like going, like, oh, I'm on my own now, and no one's there. And people are purposely stood at just the right distance on certain rooms so they can see the vent. And it's like you were the only person in there. So, because only the imposter can use the vents, can't, can't yeah, yeah. I will say that is one of the things that worries me about playing the game or wanting to play the game and haven't done until, like, you know, now. Um, am I too late? No. That, that's one of the things that, that I'm kind of worried about because, obviously, I don't have the knowledge that, that 
others who have played the game so far have and i haven't had that experience am, am yeah. i too late to 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 in- i think you'd be fine like uh you joined me and becky in playing settlers in Catan, and you were like i'm gonna try like uh an experiment to see what would happen and you won that game oh like, that's because you, you guys were... are scrubs though that yeah. <laughs> I mean, I definitely was. I, I basically discovered the game on the Monday, and Becky, me and Becky played it. Although, if you play Settlers of Catan online through their uh, website, there is definitely a bias on the dice rolls. Is there? Uh... I don't but... know if you remember. We, we played it, and the RNG, we played th- several games, and one dice roll would always be statistically happening and you always noticed it yes. was always one of the uh settlements that That's the right. ai had yeah uh, yeah i think well, it was like 36 rolls have been made and like 14 of them would be um an eight because you you uh, sevens are like a neutral because of the commonality of rolling it and it'd be an eight and then you'd realize because you need four players for katan online and what so we used to have an AI and it used to always land on an AI settlement and it'd be like all the other dice rolls would be a fairly even like seven, eight or nine split. And then there'd be one of them that'd be like in the high teens, nearly twenties. Yeah, that is um I mean, I know a lot of people. Uh, this is the problem, by the way, guys. Anyone who is listening, we did often just go on to, off on Sundays like this, but that is one of the problems with Roll20 that people suspect. Yeah. They say it can't be true random. Yeah. Um, now, I've not experienced it negatively. I mean, anyone who has ever played any role-playing game knows that you can roll really bad dice repeatedly, and you can roll yeah. really good ones repeatedly. It's just the look of the, the dice roll, essentially, but... But yeah, I, I think um, I think some psychology goes along with that though. The fact that it is out of your control because it is an algorithm that's doing it yeah. will yeah. have a negative bias on how people think about it. Yeah, I mean it's like uh, Hasbro get stick for. Oh, Magic here we go. Arena. Shh, shh. <laughs> yeah. uh, they get stick for Magic Arena because the the they've even mid- admitted that the shuffling device, if your hand only has one land in it the first time land is a resource that you need to play your cards for people who don't play magic the gathering your second hand when you have to mulligan from seven down to six will always give you two to three lands the second time and they pardon me they admitted an array of things that they did to try and make it so that it was more playable from the beginning uh opposed to like when you're shuffling the cards and separating your cards and you should have more natural variants that um, does seem like it. That should be a no thing. That shouldn't be done, um, yeah. if I'm honest. But they but... admit they did it because they were trying to get make it. So, uh, Magic the Gathering has you draw seven cards at the beginning of the game, but you can choose to mulligan. But you mulligan down to six. So what you do is you draw your cards, you draw your seven cards, and then you put one of them to the bottom of the deck if you choose to keep it, and then you keep doing that until if you want you can mulligan down to where zero cards in hand. Yeah. Uh, and just pray that your top deck's really, really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to be admitted, fair... They manipulated the shuffling system to try and make it so people could have a seven-card hand more often. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, to be talking about things like that, and, and just to summarise back to what John said, first off, um, if you haven't already, watch some Among Us. It'll be one of the easiest ways, because the games are quick. You can watch a game... like I, I mean, I was watching 
Um, although I've actually been watching a lot of Critical Role recently. That's uh, just not a not an ad or anything like that. I just yeah. really like it. But an Among Us game lasts on average, like I said, 10 minutes, if that. Yeah. And the 10 minutes is mostly taken up by them talking in emergency meetings. Yeah. I mean, saying... the big thing as well online with... Uh, sorry to interrupt you, Dan. Uh, with Among Us is it, it's a great content thing because of people's reactions. And, you know, that's what people enjoy. It's like when you play a party game or you've got, you know, when we were allowed house parties and you go and you play a game like this, and like your wheel experience in D and D, where it's like, oh, you have like a really good role, and you have a great character moment from it, or you have a terrible role, and you get a great character moment for it, but for dramatically worse things. And then sometimes, if it it's like you roll, I mean, I've been DMing for you guys for work for John and Becky for like two years nearly now. Yeah, and then Dan joined us. Uh, later on and it's like there's been points where you know john for example fails a role but becky's character all of us there and then it becomes a party experience because well do, you do, can talk about... speaking of a particular uh, experience something that we still talk about in the uh, the first game that we did together with uh, a different dm um gareth <laughs> giving me the middle finger because he already knows what we're going to be talking about social aspects of games are the best part of those games those are the parts that you remember and in yep. this particular part uh gareth was low on health his character was in dire need of some assistance and i wasn't next to him so what i did was i used my brains and my dexterity and i threw a very expensive i just like to preface that a very <laughs> expensive uh health potion and gareth needed to make a roll to catch it now obviously you hey know, guys i can see where this one's going i, I have heard this story before however so uh... <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately gareth didn't quite make the roll and the uh the potion With my became... negative through dexterity i mean i'm helping you were not helping yourself, unfortunately, and the the potion became a, a puddle on the floor. And we still yeah. talk about that to this day because what I really Gareth, like is Gareth mistakenly oh, thinks that it's his it's it's my fault for throwing the potion. But so, of course, as any normal laugh. person who has brain cells and is you know thinking on a. Uh, more than a neutron based life form uh would be quite you know agreeable okay. in thinking that so, gareth is at fault okay. here for not making round two gareth your start <laughs> okay so first of all when we played this uh our dm was american and we had a random canadian guy filling in yes when john threw the item the canadian player a gentleman who went by the name of smoke in his uh username um he was a very experienced D&D player. And as soon as John threw the potion, he just gasped in absolute shock and horror at what John chose to do. And then when I dropped it, he just went, John, why would you do that to John repeatedly? And then it became like, you know, we laugh about it now. And John's even created like the uh, Star Lord meme yeah, of uh, him dropping the the, uh, the 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 Infinity Stone, stone. Yeah. and uh, we it was like smoke, and even Seraph was like, "Why would you?" Why? Like John went, "Oh, I want to preference this with it was an expensive pork a potion." If you were like, "I own an expensive delicate item," 
in my household, I wouldn't go, I'm going to pass this to my son by throwing it 20 feet across a yeah, room. Yeah, giving it that quarterback spiral as, as it was leaving my hand. But that, on, let's play catch. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's one of the things, the, the very major things that we remember about that is that social interaction that we had. Like, yeah. that's why Among Us is so popular, because it has those social interactions. If I can just do one more aside before we, before we end, that's why uh, people who play League of Legends still have um, chat. The game of League of Legends would be so much better from a, a psychology point of view for most people if you could not talk to the other team. But does that happen? Has that ever happened? No, because people want to chat shit. When they shit on other people, they want to tell the other team how much better they are than them. And that is a thing that is uh, really, really exciting to people and they want to have that experience you don't want to be on the receiving end of it of course but it's one of the things that people go to that game for to to tell people how much better at the game they are yep so social experiences are one of if not the most important thing of online gaming now i mean yeah totally and like with you mentioning like us going like among us has had an explosion as a game which is true uh like a lot of online uh tabletop stuff has as well um yeah i'm in multiple like D facebook groups and stuff and the amount of people who are like I i'm new to dungeons and dragons can anyone recommend to me like an online platform or can you know i'm new to D and i'm looking for a group uh, I've never played before. Uh, how would you recommend doing it? And at the moment, the amount of people like you know use Dungeon Fog, Dungeon Draft, Wonder Draft, Roll Twenty, uh, Fantasy Grounds, Tabletop Simulator, and because people are craving uh, a social interaction, but they're wanting to maybe do some stuff that before there's like it had you know it had nerd taboo to it. Uh, and I think some things like Dan's mentioned critical role um, have really like been a gateway into it because uh, there's like a lot of people who like niche things like anime and stuff who like, uh, you know, I'm a nerd, but I'm not that much of a nerd. Um, and then they've heard like the voice actors that they like from TV shows who are very much involved in this. And they've gone, you know what, this is really interesting. For me, I always find there's something about critical role that I always find difficult to get into. Like, I think I've listened to like the first episode of campaign one and campaign two multiple times. And for some reason it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. Um, but then I enjoy Penny Arcades, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, and, you know, they probably, and they've even crossed over. They've even yeah, worked yeah. together on stuff. Um, but it's different strokes for different folks. and. Uh, I quite enjoy uh, Jerry Hawkins, uh, Tycho Brahe of Pani Arcade. And I quite enjoy his frequent, uh, it became a joke, like imagine a dark Walmart or imagine uh, in an alternate, an, an alternate evil reality Costco or something uh, to the point where they branded a t-shirt that's plain black t-shirt and in black font it says imagine a dark shirt. Yeah. There's, so yeah, I, I'm 100% agree, and John, I don't know how much you've watched maybe, but um, I think people are craving the social interaction right now. It's not the best place out there right now. 
I think, I think we, we can all agree on that. You yeah. know, it, it could definitely be better. And I mean, I'm myself isolating for two weeks. So I had a shop delivered on month, on Tuesday and that's it. Now I'm, now I'm not leaving the house two weeks. Spoiler alert. I never really used to leave the house, but it's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm trying to get a point across here. Um, and <laughs> the idea of playing D and D, I mean, I play Gareth's campaign and then I play one uh, every Sunday um, and it alternates on the Sundays at the minute. So it's yeah. only war which is a Warhammer um, 40k version, and, and then there's D&D Adventures League. And I still want another campaign somewhere. Yeah. I'm, I'm craving it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Critical Role is just filling a void at the minute for me. And I know, John, you have only played D&D once, but... Oh, oh sorry. I have not, one group. You're only playing in one campaign currently, but... Yeah. What are you thinking? Are you uh, craving social interaction? I suppose you're still working as well, so it's a bit different. Yes. Uh, I haven't mentioned this before, but I am a postman. So this whole lockdown situation has made my job actually harder. Um, It hasn't been too bad until recently, but it is getting stressful now uh, as the uh, inevitable uh, time shift towards Christmas happens and the as things get busier i can't imagine how it's going to be it's going to be terrible um but yeah uh social interaction yes i do i do crave it um and yeah i this is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast though it's it's a good way to to talk about the things that matter to us and hopefully to other people as well um yeah i i want to have these interactions with people yeah well, we crave it as well. That's why we talk so much together normally, and that's why we wanted to put it into a podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think that does... That seems like a good place neatly, to end. It does pretty neatly wrap us up insofar as what we're kind of hoping to get from this for the future, a little bit of interaction maybe. If anyone does end up listening to this, we will be posting it where any good podcast can go. Um, so probably Spotify. If we can get it onto iTunes, we will do. Um, and, I'm just going to um, copy it onto cassette and jump at people with headphones and a wall. Oh, Jesus. Ah, yes. The retro method. You're not allowed to jump at people now, honestly. That will get you arrested. <laughs> Especially where you can are. I the, can I show them my negative COVID test result and go, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Honest, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't like a madman there. Um, I mean, and... seems rational to me, but. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. rational to you, Gareth. And only um, you. Only you, yeah, indeed. But yeah, so that is uh, the first episode of Roleplay Life. Um, we're not entirely sure how the format will go over the next few weeks. It'll probably be very similar insofar as we'll have a catch-up, we'll have a few topics, but it might be maybe next week John Leeds, as yeah. an example, so that you don't necessarily constantly hear my dulcet tones overarching <laughs> over everyone else. And then when Gareth has um, has finally got everything sorted... In 2025, he will lead off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll tell us all about Hasbro. Uh, I, I, you know what the best thing Hasbro ever did was just release Transformers toys when I was a kid and that was that was the happiest <laughs> moment I had with that company between the ages of about five and eight uh, yeah. I think the Action Masters series of toys is where the, the, the noticeable decline came when they were like here are Transformers figures yeah. they don't transform and that's, uh, that's another they... need that Gareth is involved in <laughs> um, <laughs> that we'll, uh, you know what? I've just, I've just thought of this, and we're gonna have to part this as a future topic. Have you seen that Rooster Teeth, that is a popular brand that we mm. might met, know, um, have been involved in the um, the production of the new Transformers TV series on Netflix? No, I didn't know. Yeah, that. exactly. Honestly, new topic. We're parking it for next week. Okay. We are gonna have to end this. We are now yes. at um, 
almost two hours, an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 um, minutes. It's probably, in future, it'll probably be a little bit more streamlined than this. We're, we're waffling a little bit because it's obviously a little bit <laughs> new to us. We always waffle. Come on, John. There's no need to lie to the listeners <laughs> or viewers. Um, but yes, um, exactly what John said. So um, that's kind of it from me. Um, so this has been Roleplay Life. So from me, bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Good night. Sweet dreams. Au revoir. <laughs> bye now. Bye.